is the Wave Zero Podcast. Welcome to the Wave Zero Podcast. I'm your host, John Loomis. Today, we have the next installment in our Executive Edge series, which is a set of interviews with highly successful executives within the fastest growing and highly competitive sectors of finance and technology, FinTech. As a reminder, we are taking a deeper dive into how they have and how they are thriving in today's complex landscape. We are going to discuss backgrounds, both personal and professional, and the role they played in shaping these eight players. Earlier this week, I participated in a roundtable at which one of the participants noted that they were quote, unquote, lucky in the success that they had achieved within their career. Out of nowhere, I saw this flash in my head and a sign that was hanging in my high school weight room that said, luck when preparation meets opportunity. I'm eager to better understand and unpack the preparation that went into our next guest creating his own luck by taking advantage of opportunities along his career arc. I would like to welcome to the conversation, Chief Digital Officer, Michael Dollarwall. Thank you, John. Nice to get to talk to you today. So Chief Digital Officer, what what does that role entail? So within IBEX, um, what that entails is oversight of our performance marketing, and digital marketing agency businesses. So uh, we have kind of a unique portion of our business that's focused on uh, helping brands acquire new customers, generate generate new inquiries, and kind of connect their online to offline uh, marketing functions. So today we work with some of the largest cable telecommunications, satellite home security and home service providers in the US, as well as a number of growing and disruptive tech brands to help them manage their online marketing and acquire new customers, whether it's purely in an online fashion, helping them drive traffic from sources like Google search, display, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and other emerging digital channels to either dedicated landing pages and websites where folks convert and sign up for new services or purchase products, or in a unique way, driving that traffic from an online or mobile advertising platform and environment into a contact center where we manage inbound telesales specialists who then convert those interested consumers into new customers. So it sounds like you have a pretty holistic approach moving from both online and offline. And you mentioned that you have this unique platform. What what does that entail? Is that any type of proprietary technology or are you utilizing some type of off the shelf tool? No, um, the majority of all technologies that we use within IBEX are proprietary technologies. The first of which is, system that we call AdCast, which allows us to um, manage ad placements, ad types, ad units, and uh, bid types across platforms, predominantly on Google and Facebook and Instagram platforms today. So where we can use one system of tools online to set up where we would like to place different types of advertisements, um, be able to, you know, take one segment of uh, ad copy and creative, and then concatenate it with several other different sets of that, manage placements all from one online SaaS-based uh, tool, AdCast, and then deploy those uh, advertisements across these different properties, track the performance of it, and then automate using uh, artificial intelligence where those ads are bid up and bid down based on a series of rules, and then appending back into it the end profitability or the end um, economics of that. So whether it's you know driving it purely online for someone to just generate a lead, to sign up for service, or to uh, to submit um, submit an inquiry or download an app. Um, and what 
you know, kind of the unique extension of that is not just being able to manage it all from one place in a really efficient manner, um, but also to be able to take that and connect it to the call center. Um, so through this system of technologies, we're able to actually see from the point a click occurs all the way through to when an agent wraps a call, how that agent is actually converting um, and interacting with the consumer. So traditionally when someone's placing an ad, especially like a Google search click to call ad, the normal measurement of success or failure on that click and how people affect their bids is strictly the amount of time that consumer is on the phone, because that's generally just what out of the box Google offers, where we're actually able to go down to the keyword or ad unit level and see exactly what happened with the agent on the phone. And an even more powerful extension, be able to understand how agents are being utilized in a queue and say, great, um, we have uh, our agents are at full occupancy. We can't really take any more calls. Perhaps we should be dropping bids down and focusing only on those highest converting or those most profitable ad units and ad clicks or vice versa. If we see that um, we have a lot of stranded labor for a call queue, be able to actually bid up and start driving more calls and occupy agents more efficiently to be able to try and you know generate, as you mentioned, that in a holistic way, the most, uh, most incremental volume or most incremental acquisitions for our end clients. So it sounds like the, the combination of the proprietary technology as well as the analytics is what's really driving that ROI for your clients. Absolutely. And um, it's, it's a combination of the, the tools, technology, and then the people. Um, we've got what I think is really one of the, the deepest benches, one of the richest uh, skill sets of experiences across the team with some, many folks in our team having come through uh, specialized experiences and verticals working with a lot of the client types we have in um, telecommunications and home connectivity, as well as some of the folks who really were the first people to start launching click-to-call ads when Google rolled these out 12 or 13 years ago, and a number of folks in our team who you know, work to develop some of the first ads that got placed on Facebook 10 or 11 years ago. So I think we have uh, you know, that combination of that unique proprietary technology plus a very experienced team that has specialties in the different ad channels as well as the client types we deal with. So, so interesting, you mentioned experience, right? Experience and capabilities. One of the things that we're doing right on this show specifically is this executive edge. And we're taking a little bit of deeper dive into the journey of who is Michael Darwall. So let, let's just take a little bit of a step back and talk about maybe some of your earlier experiences. Do you have anything that you remember or were there any significant events maybe either in your early childhood or your education that started you along this journey uh, in which you now ended up to be chief digital officer? Um, you know, it's interesting. I probably took a, a less direct path to being focused in digital and online advertising than a lot of people have mainly because when I started, started my career, it wasn't really an existing channel. Um, you know, I grew up in a environment where uh, I got to be exposed to a lot of people who were uh, were working in more traditional businesses, whether it was uh, clothing manufacturing or uh, or print advertising, or just running uh, small local family businesses. And uh, I'd kind of shown a, a good interest early on in life in, in understanding what was driving some of those businesses. So as I was going through school and looking at you know kind of how the the economic environment was, I thought that. Um, you know, one of the best ways to, to lean in and understand what was really, you know, driving economics of a business and its success was to focus on kind of the accounting and finance side of things. So when, uh, was, uh, when it was time for me to go off to college, I had uh, 
I decided to focus on accounting and information systems and finance as a way to to get a, a starting point of an understanding as to how businesses were working. And really, you know, early in my career, I ended up working really on that technical accounting and finance side for companies that were more on the manufacturing side as opposed to the, the digital side. So you really went to school from a fundamental understanding of business, some of the building blocks. You mentioned accounting and information systems. And then- yeah. Go ahead. Oh, let me see. That's exactly. And then that, and then that grew into what was it? It sounds like it was more emergent than directive. And then that kind of grew into what was it? A inclination toward this digital marketing? Was it an experience? Was it an opportunity that you had? Maybe working for one of these manufacturing firms. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It was a, kind of the confluence of a of unique opportunity and then an ability to apply some of the things that I'd learned from kind of the traditional building block side. So when I uh, when I first started my career, I spent the first several years working for what was then a public company, Delmonte Foods, in a really technical accounting and um, standpoint. So I worked in SEC accounting and external reporting. So working on preparing the financial statements, public disclosures, and um, Pro forma financials related to M&A activity. And what was unique is I was kind of in that position at a really young age at 22, 23, and able to have direct exposure to a lot of the executives within the company as a result of having to work on those underlying financials and uh, public disclosures that we were making. And specifically at the time, we were doing a lot of M&A work, uh, divesting a sizable chunk of the business and making a couple of other key acquisitions. So it gave me a lot of exposure to the corporate development team who was there that needed someone who could work on work on those pro forma financials and understand what the accounting impacts of some of the, the business decisions we were making were. So I got to have a, you know, a unique understanding of the strategy of the company at a higher level than you normally get exposed to at that age and then uh, work closely with this corp dev team. And as things uh, evolved over the first couple of years, I worked at the company. Um, the gentleman who was the VP of Corp Dev moved over to work on uh, consumer products finance and a lot of the strategy around products we would be launching or decisions we'd be making in the business and gave me a chance to move from working on the accounting side to working on the finance side and the, the business planning and operations and really to get to own the P&L for uh, new ventures or new products that we were going to be launching on the consumer product side. So I got to spend the next couple of years instead of just looking at the numbers, trying to influence and understand the decisions we were making that were driving the P&L. They gave me um, gave me kind of a unique perspective, in so much as we were operating kind of a startup within an established four billion dollar brand, um, and it got me. This is, uh, gentleman warned me at the time that once I did that, it'll be really difficult to going back to just counting, uh, just just being an accountant or just counting numbers on a spreadsheet every day. And he was right. Um, it kind of gave me a taste of what that startup environment would like, or what the high growth businesses would, would be like, and. Uh, steered me towards taking a taking a leap to go into work at a, another company that was called Sunday Fruits that was launching a series of fresh pressed juices and uh, organic fruit cups. So, kind of made the leap to going from you know working in you know accounting and the, the systems and technical side to working on the financial planning and the P and L management side within a within a public company to then running all aspects of finance for this this food and beverage startup for the next couple of years, um, which was a real trial by fire because by that time it would have been 2009 and the economy was not in great shape. So it made it a little bit, uh, there was a lot of a lot of good practice that I got in terms of being able to 
kind of play whack-a-mole or put out different fires every day and see how we, you know, at the same time, we're trying to raise money, deploy money, deploy capital for manufacturing, manufacturing physical goods that had, you know, big seasonal swings and when you could and couldn't manufacture stuff and how you'd have to queue up inventory and then build it up and then figure out how you sold through it throughout the course of the year and, you know, do that in a, um, do that with a, team of people who were dispersed across the world and working from home in a lot of different ways. So this is a unique, unique offering. And as I worked through that through a couple of years, I got to meet a lot of other folks who were in the startup community here in the Bay Area and happened to, uh, through combination of, of timing and fortune, run into three guys who were uh, about the same age as me that were had come from uh, Wharton School at Penn and had worked for a few years in uh, traditional investment banking at Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs and Carlisle Group and were interested in in launching a pay for performance digital marketing company. Um, they had great understandings of what that market could look like and the economics of what it would be like, but not a lot of hands-on experience in terms of doing the day-to-day management from a, from a finance and operations side of the business. So it uh, presented a unique opportunity for me to say that I was going to move um, you know, move from kind of the traditional manufacturing side to to the digital landing place. And what I found uh, in talking with them and understanding what they were doing on the performance marketing side was that the you know the fundamental economics of, of how you ran the business were the same as a manufacturing business. Only instead of buying raw materials like sugar and fruit and plastic resins to make fruit cups, we were buying clicks on the internet that we were converting on a live time basis and then selling as leads or finished, you know, acquired customers. Um, the, the part that was really appealing to me was that it required way less cash to do that because you did everything on a live time basis instead of having to build up, you know, huge pools of inventory and take nearly as much risk. So um, I had the opportunity to work for, for Ampush for about three and a half or four years. And during the course of time doing that, we built up a, you know, a couple of really successful businesses within that company. One that was a pay for performance business that was focused on generating online leads for for for-profit education institutions. And then, you know, a second that was built around acting as a digital marketing agency for uh, businesses that wanted to start advertising on, on Facebook. Um, And as we worked through that, it uh, got the opportunity presented to me to package up and sell the performance marketing portion of that business to uh, what would become Ibex Digital today. So that was. So really when you start through. Go ahead. No, that's really kind of how I moved through going from, you know, something that was really, you know, book-based accounting through the, to, to the digital marketing side of things. I, I see. So really from an early on in the fundamentals, you really went these roles in these public companies, you had really large scale but limited scope and then as you moved into these private companies you tremendously increased your scope but you decreased your scale and that seemed to have maybe sparked this entrepreneurial spirit within you and then you, this creation of this ampush and this digital marketing business which then you uh, ended up selling to ibex yep that's absolutely it and i think um you know that was one of the things that was really appealing about shifting from shifting from a public company that had a lot of that had a lot of scale but offered limited scope to to going to a, you know the smaller the private companies or the growth focused companies where I could do that because I really found that I had a tremendous amount of enjoyment and uh, in understanding and, and affecting more aspects of the PL day to day and then getting to work across other groups so instead of just looking at um, 
you know, what levers we could pull just from the, from the P&L standpoint and understand what we could do from the internal operations, getting exposure to and working with clients, being able to craft solutions for them and, and learn more about their businesses, figure out how we could extend what we were doing for them, as well as then getting to work across, you know, other aspects of the, the business and manage other teams, I found to be really appealing. So a couple of interesting points. One is, how, first of all, how long ago was the, the sale of that business into IBEX? That was seven years ago. So you've been doing this, so seven years. There, there, you must have, again, this kind of entrepreneurial spirit. You created this organization, kind of your you know, corporate baby, if you will. You, you must have, not only to have stayed with it after the sale, you just must be extremely vested and want to see it to be continued to be successful day in, day out. Uh, not only having been, I mean, you're, you're, you're the creator. Can you talk a little bit about that? And you know, so how do you keep this, how do you keep it on track and how do you keep all of the people motivated and you're the creator, you got the vision, you've got this, you're, I mean, you're fully invested in this, right? Uh, how do you ensure that it's successful day to day? And, and am I, am I correct or incorrect in assuming that you still have that kind of passion for something you create? No, I, uh, I think you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, I find myself very passionate about it for you know, the reason that you mentioned in part, because I've been invested in it for so long and, uh, and a couple other parts because of really the, the, the team of folks that I work for and then the team of folks that work for me. Um, you know, in many cases, the team of folks that, uh, that I have working under me or, you know, alongside of me, I've worked with now at two or three different points in time or for, you know, the better part of 10 years. Um, whether it was, you know, the, the years in Ampush leading up to IBEX or just for the entire time I've worked at IBEX, I think. When you go to work alongside people that you have tremendous respect for and you watch them move forward in their career and continue to grow what they're doing and build teams like that below them. And then when you work for folks that you find are just as invested in you and that are just as just as focused on people and you know their their people's success around you, it becomes a really appealing thing. And it becomes, you know, regardless of what the business the business in it itself is, um, it becomes more and more attractive and more more engaging to stay and to stay vested in that. And I think that's particularly one of the reasons why you know, when I sold the part of Ampush business to, um, to IBEX and to specifically to Jeff Cox, the president of the IBEX digital division, what, what was really a major, um, major inflection point or a you know, decision-making point for me was just seeing uh, someone who was that focused on everyone around him and on making them successful and on uh, seeing them grow, that made it a really attractive opportunity to me. And what I've, you know, been very fortunate to see, especially you know, as we've we've integrated our IBEX digital business within the greater IBEX, and seeing this company succeed is seeing those same types of um, leadership qualities throughout the company, and you know, getting to work more and more with with folks on the on the on the BPO and the connect side of IBEX, it's been great to get to have exposure to those those same types of leadership qualities and the same vested interest in the in, in the organization of people. So outside of this leadership and really expanding your network, so now you've gone from right. We talked about having this you know great scale, little scope to having basically you know little scale, huge scope. Now you've got both. You've got both the scope and scale, and it's expanded yourself. Right, you're making these relationships and you're seeing the leadership. Are there, is there anything specific that you're driving or innovation that you're driving both within this greater peer group as well as within, you know, the vertical, so both horizontal 
um, and vertical if you if you look at this? Yeah, so I think kind of within the, the digital marketing area itself, one area that we continue to invest in is figuring out how we can take what we've had a lot of success success with in terms of you know two different areas and expand those. One of those is just being innovative in new um, channels in which we advertise. So 10 years ago when I started working at Ampush, no one was really running advertisements on Facebook. It was a brand new marketing platform and it only had one ad placement. It was pretty limited and um, limited in what results were, but we found that if we invested heavily in that as there were new opportunities and placements within Facebook and then Instagram and Facebook audience network to, to advertise, it was a strategic advantage for us and for our marketing partner clients to have a lot of insight and innovation there. So today we continue to invest in um, being successful and thoughtful about uh, taking our clients into new channels, whether it's things like Pinterest or LinkedIn or down the road, TikTok and areas like that, where you'd be able to, to run advertisements for and see where there's potential market fits for different clients we have there. The other aspect of it is to be able to try and be innovative and take advantage of the connection between our digital marketing and our call center expertise. Um, despite the fact that click-to-call advertising has been around for a decade plus now, um, very few companies do it well, and it's generally because there is a massive disconnect between the teams running the digital marketing and the teams running telesales or the inbound call and sales center operations, and there's usually disparate technology. By using our building out and innovating on the proprietary technology side, we've really bridged that gap or, or eliminated it, and then also having connected teams who are managing telesales and digital marketing has also has also done that. Um, we've now gotten to the point where we have folks who are on the sales center, you know, on a, in our dedicated telesales and sales operations functions who understand as much or more about the digital marketing that we're running for our clients than most than most traditional digital marketers themselves would understand, and vice versa. I think I never would have imagined that I'd understand or know as much about call center operations as I as I do today. Uh, seven years ago, and I think that that's really where we find there to be interesting opportunities to, to take where um, there can be new advertisers and we could we could bring on who may be mainly focused on an online only um, opportunity and show them and lead them down the path of where there is real opportunity for them to grab incremental scale and generate um, incremental LTV for their businesses by enhancing or expanding what they're doing in digital marketing into the call center. So interesting point about learning, right? You talked about, you actually talked about through your career, just your, the propensity for you. And it seems that you're kind of a sponge of knowledge as far as coming out of school with the accounting, the fundamentals, and now that you're learning about call centers. Um, and then you're figuring out how then to leverage that the integration of the digital marketing side, as well as the traditional contact center in order to really drive ROI again for your clients as we, we talked about up front. As we really kind of look at learning and what you've learned throughout your career and maybe the circuitous path that you've taken, you know, in order to become this, the chief digital officer, is there any advice that you would give to people who are either starting their careers that want to go into digital marketing or technology or people who are maybe even looking for a career change, you know, coming out of this pandemic? You know, one of the things that I found, and I don't know if it was just from a, a curious nature that my, my parents are implanted on me or just, you know, uh, from being exposed to other people who I saw as being successful that never focused on just one thing. I think one of the best pieces of advice I could have is to take advantage of the, you know, the smart people you have around you, whether it's, you know, the, your peers or 
you know, the leaders in the company and take advantage of whatever time they're willing to give you to learn more about what they're doing in the day-to-day -day aspects of their business. Um, there's usually not a lot of times where I've found at least where you'll be at, be within a role where someone will push you to understand what, you know, what your colleagues are doing or what affects, you know, the main drivers of their business. It's something you kind of have to pursue on your own. And I think that, uh, that has a lot of benefits if you're able to do it. One, I think it makes you much better at your job if you understand, you know, what's impacting everyone else who's doing a different job around you. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, if you're running digital marketing and that affects what's going on in call center operations, it's pretty key for you to understand what those, what those impacts to the call center are, mainly so that you can understand what pushback is or what is or is, what, what impacts the decisions you're making are having on whether your colleagues are being successful or not. And then also well, the added benefit of that is you get to be much more empathetic to, you know, what, you know, what those around you are, are going through. Um, you know, kind of the, the third aspect to that I'd, I'd add on then is it makes it significantly easier to move forward and to, to advance what your role is within an organization. If you, if you have taken the time to understand what those other roles, you know, around you are focused on or what's important to them. Um, you know, I think for me in the beginning, having that bad, that background and a, in accounting and, and finance meant that I got to see every different thing that was impacting a P&L. So it gave me a little bit of a little bit of knowledge of what was happening, whether, you know, if we're manufacturing food and beverage, whether that was what was happening from the sourcing, what was happening from the, you know, the actual manufacturing standpoint, or what was happening from the sales and the logistics standpoint. Um, each of those things had had different KPIs and had different things that would have impacts on the P&L. So learning it made was pretty important. And then later on, as I moved forward, uh, having kind of that, that ability to empathize with what was, you know, what others in different parts of the organization were going through and trying to make decisions made it, uh, made it a little bit easier to move forward and to try and help, you know, not just make myself successful, but make others around. Michael, no, I think that's a great advice. In fact, you know, I've got a high school age son, and we've been talking about different things the child needs to get involved in and, you know, whether it's anything from sports to, you know, clubs or academics, whatever it may be. I, I just think it's so valuable to do the two things you mentioned. One is to under, you know, put yourself in somebody else's shoes to understand their role, but also learn a little bit more about their skills so you really can understand about being in their shoes. So I, I think it's terrific advice and uh, I appreciate you sharing that. We're about out of time, so it's going to be, we're going to do some rapid fire questions here if you're okay with that. Absolutely. All right, excellent. What's your favorite ice cream? Uh, coffee. What are you binge watching or reading right now? I started binge watching a show on Hulu called Mrs. America, and then okay. I'm rereading a book called Still Life with Woodpecker. Okay, I've never heard either, but I'm going to check out the book Still Life with Woodpecker. I made myself a note on that one. Uh, what's the next place you'd like to travel? At this point, I'd love to be able to, as odd as it sounds, fly home to Cleveland, mainly so that I can go see my family since it's been uh, been the better part of nine months since I've had the chance to do that at this point. No, that sounds like a good trip, especially to reconnect. And, and the Browns seem to be doing okay. They seem to be fielding a little bit better team this year than they have in the past, like, well. What did yeah, you I mean, the, the ultimate thing, though, is, is as every brand's fan will tell you, they'll never, they're never short of finding ways to disappoint. So. <laughs> Uh, that's all right. I grew up in Atlanta. I watched the Falcons game over the weekend. You know, they're the, they're the first team or something to blow like a 26-point lead, score 39 points, have over 400 yards of offense. I saw some crazy stat, like 
at up to that point, teams were like 400 and something and oh, and they're the first team ever to lose. So I feel your pain, uh, w whether you're a Cleveland or Atlanta sports fan. So, hey, Michael, hey, I really appreciate the time. I appreciate you taking the time, you know, to walk through some of your education, your early successes and your early roles and how that really shaped you and moved you into what eventually became right this entrepreneurial self and then you sold the business and then that really morphed into and emerged into the being the chief digital officer uh, i mean sharing your story on how you got there and understanding some of the fundamentals uh, are terrific and then how certain things along your career whether it was those people you met from wharton or certain opportunities inspired you to make those changes and understand and put your people in other people's shoes and really get a greater understanding of the overall business so I appreciate you sharing a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your journey today. Uh, thank you very much, John, for making the time and for, uh, for talking with me. It's been great, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. All right, thanks, bud. This is the Wave Zero Podcast.